Hello, and welcome to the Musicpreneur Mindset Podcast, Episode 2. Hey, we're Sub Radio. You're listening to the Musicpreneur Mindset Podcast. Here's your host, Suze, founder of The Rockstar Advocate. So this second episode is part of my Lessons Learned series, where I dig a little bit deeper into my own personal experiences inside the music industry so that I can share with you some lessons I learned, uh, one might say the hard way, um, so that you can take something from them and apply the lessons that I've learned to your own situation and maybe hopefully not suffer quite as much. So this first episode, this first lesson learned is about taking control of your life and having the courage to build your own path. A lot of the times we fail to listen to ourselves even when we know what we feel is right. Whether it's because we feel we're too young or we're too new to the situation or the industry or that other people know better, whatever the situation may be, hopefully by the end of this episode you'll see that it's important to listen to yourself and follow your heart when you know the path that you're on is not the path for you. This is a story I first shared about two years ago, and it's originally from an experience I had in 2006. So it took me 10 years to feel brave enough to share it for the first time. And now I'm sharing it here with you with... um a bit more of a deeper dive into what was really behind it, what was behind the experience, and what really came from the lesson that I learned. So without further ado, I'll jump into the time I quit my job five times. (laughs) Yes, I quit the same job five times, and I basically just kept showing back up for work the next day. Now, if you listened to episode one, the introduction to this podcast, I briefly touched upon the fact that after graduating from Drexel University, I took a job working for Astroworks. I was their Midwest sales coordinator. Now, at the time, there was only one person that was aware of the fact that I had quit five times. I don't think anybody else in the company was aware that I had done that. I had basically just gone to my my boss, somebody I had worked with closely for a number of years as their intern, and I I didn't know where else to turn. And I I kept going back and quitting, and, and each time they told me to stick it out and to not quit, I felt that they knew better. Who was I to question what they knew. And so I I made it almost a year. I made it 10 months at Astroworks in a job that, you know, and this has nothing to do with uh, Astroworks as a place to work. It was a wonderful place to work. I loved the people that I worked with. But this is more about the job that I actually had to do uh, and what I was feeling and the things that I was going through at the time, and it wasn't a good fit for me. And hopefully you'll get something out of it. So let's jump in. It's amazing how in the moment, something can feel like the worst, most horrible experience of your life and then years later be looked at as such a silly little thing to stress over. I'm sure you guys could relate. I was set to graduate six months early, which gave me a head start on the job search. A mentor of mine from Atlantic Records had offered me an opportunity to follow them to Astroworks, which was at the time under EMI, and become the Midwest Sales Coordinator. Now, at the time, others around me had warned me not to take the job. They said I had been doing school at full throttle and should use the six months to, quote-unquote, find myself. 
I had always been an honor student in high school. I took college level courses. I then barreled through school at Drexel. I was taking eight classes a semester or trimester as we had them. I had worked three jobs um, simultaneously while I went to school, two of which didn't even pay. And I just did everything to the full max. And people could see it on my face. They could see it in my energy level or lack thereof. They could already tell that I was on my way to full-on burnout. And they tried warning me. But all I could say was, yeah, sure, find myself, figure out my why. Yeah, okay, guys, you're crazy. I had a job offer. Although it was before the crash of 2008, it was still insane at that time to turn down a job. What did it matter if sales was the last thing I wanted to do? Who cared about my happiness? Certainly not me. I cared about proving to myself that all of the hard work that I did in school leading me up to this point was not a waste of time. But once I started, there were long days, nightly cries, and a slew of panic attacks and bouts of depression. I got to the point where I would spend nights dreaming about making copies of sound scan reports only to be woken up by my alarm and realizing my day hadn't even started. I am not exaggerating to when I say I cried daily. I would wake up, take a two-hour commute from Long Island to the job, sit there, do the best that I could, the phone would ring, and I would let it go to voicemail because I was terrified of picking it up. I did not want to speak to anybody. I didn't want to deal with anything. It's amazing I didn't get fired. I somehow still managed to do my job, but I lived in fear on a daily basis. I lived in my own fear and my own doubt. I would run away to the bathroom during lunch and silently cry in a bathroom stall. I would then come home after a 15-hour workday and have some dinner, pull myself into my pajamas and pass out only to get three or four hours of sleep, wake up and do it all again the next day. So the first time I tried quitting, my boss asked why, and I just said it was too much. It was such an embarrassing episode. I literally broke down in front of him, hysterical crying and shaking like a leaf with this little index card I had written down with the pros and cons of staying at the job versus quitting. And the the cons list, the reasons I wanted to quit, just went on and on and on and clearly outweighed the pros to staying at this job. But, you know, what, what reason was that? Didn't I want to make it, even if I didn't know what that meant to me anymore? What did I expect things to be easy? So after talking with him and, and feeling like, you know, if, if I left, I would let him down, um, feeling like, I, you know, what else would I be doing? You know, what, what would happen? Where would I go? Where would I work? You know, what else was I qualified to do? I had spent years just waiting to get to this point. Why would I walk away now when I was ahead of the curve? So I showed back up the next morning and put one foot in front of the other. Now, the second time I tried quitting, my boss asked why, and I think at that point I said it was about money. And that's not untrue. I think I was making like 28 a year um, and working tons of overtime just to try to, you know, pay the bills. And, you know, again, after saying it was about money, it was like, what did I expect? This was the music industry. Did I care about the music or did I care about the money? So suffice it to say, I was back at work the next day. 
Now, the third and fourth times I quit, I'm pretty sure I again said it was something about money because I didn't know how to explain all of the fears. I felt after that first time I tried quitting, I felt so silly saying that I was fearful or that I didn't want this dream anymore or that I wanted something different or that I was tired. I felt so ashamed to say that I was tired, to say I wanted a break. I literally started this job two days after finishing college. I had my last test. I packed my bags. I moved home. I unpacked my bags. And then the next day after that, I started at this job. It There was no break in between for me to take a breather. And even absorb what I had already just accomplished. I did a lot during my time at Drexel and I did it in three and a half years and I didn't take any time to enjoy that. I simply put my head down and went to work. During the third and fourth times that I tried quitting, my boss then said, okay, well, you know what? I fought for you and you got a raise. And it was like, what? Because they said they weren't going to give out raises and I thought that was my in, right? That was my, my, excuse that you couldn't argue with. You know, I needed a raise. You're not giving raises. Oh, well. Uh, But my boss fought so hard for me. And when that raise came through, I thought, oh my goodness, I didn't even want the raise. But how do I turn that down? He went to bat for me. He believed in me. Who walks away from that? So I continued working there for a few more months until the pros were 110% overshadowed by the cons. It simply wasn't what I was built for and I was burnt out. I had just turned 22 at that point and I truly, truly believed my life was over. My time in the music industry had come to an end and I would live a painful life as a miserable failure. Now, the fifth time I quit, I wrote a letter to all of the supervisors explaining to them that I was taking a job as a paralegal. Now, I did not do this by myself. I had gone to my mom in hysterics, just completely desperate at that point, and she brought up a great point to me. She said, you know, if you wanted to leave the job, where where would you go? You can't leave the job hoping to go directly into another job because you're never home. When would you look for interviews? When would you submit resumes? When would you do any type of research to find out what it is you wanted to do? So we sat up all night talking. I told her that I was always interested in the legal field, that I thought maybe I'd go to law school and study copyright law. I told her that I wanted to learn about contracts and how my college roommate and I really wanted to get our own business off the ground and that I had hopes and dreams for that, but that I didn't want to do that without having a certain education behind me. And so she said to me, listen, let's sit down. Let's think out a plan. Let's create a plan that you can't walk away from and it's time to follow through on it. So I figured there was no turning back from that. We sat down together at the kitchen table. She helped me write my resignation letter. I cried and cried and cried. As much as I was hopeful that there was a plan, that there was a light at the end of the tunnel, I was heartbroken. I felt like I would be letting everybody down, not to mention my boss who had fought for me time and time again, who had put up with me quitting time and time again. And... I just felt like, how can I even face him tomorrow? I'll never forget the look on my boss's face. I knew how badly I had let him down. It would be a few years before I would even be able to let go of that guilt. 
In fact, I never publicly admitted this, but there was no paralegal job, at least not at that time. It would be another five months before I found a job as a paralegal. Because let's face it, by that point, it was 2007, and jobs were already pretty hard to come by at that point. But I knew that I didn't trust myself to go through with leaving a job that I had convinced myself I did not deserve in the first place if I didn't have an ironclad way out. Now, hindsight is always 2020. At 33 years old, I can often look back at that scared, lost 21, 22-year-old and think it was a freaking job. What the fuck took you so long? I laugh thinking about how life-threatening that situation felt at the moment. It truly felt like everything I had done in my life up until that point was on the line. But you might be sitting there thinking, much like I am right now after all these years, Suze, it was a job. Like, I know it might be hard and you want to pay the bills and not be on unemployment, but it was a job. Why would you stay there and, and just be that miserable? And so I want to dive a little bit more deeply, and this stuff I did not share um, two years ago when I originally published my story. I want to really explain the real reasons behind why I quit and the lessons that I learned from the experience. I was in such a depressed place in my life, and I was completely lost And being an overachiever, being at the top of my class throughout high school and throughout college, I was not used to feeling that way. It's not that I had never experienced depression or um, frustrations, but I always kind of knew when it came to work, what worked. (laughs) I knew how to figure things out. I knew how to succeed and do really well at things, even if personally, maybe I didn't feel particularly happy. But here I was struggling in both my professional life and my personal life. And these are the reasons why I think it took me five times before I truly quit. And when I did finally decide to quit, it really took my mother pretty much threatening me and saying how she wouldn't respect me if I didn't go in the next day and leave that job and put my two weeks notice in. I mean, it really, it, it came down to not wanting to disappoint my boss versus not wanting to disappoint my own mother in staying at that job. So that's truly what it took. I don't think I left that job on my own accord. Um, I don't think I was strong enough at that time to do so. The reason it took me so many times was because I was terrified to disappoint my boss. Now, this was somebody who gave me my first chance at my internship. This was somebody who had trained me and cheered me on and and watched me at Atlantic when I would make mistakes and learn from it. And, you know, we'd have talks about where I saw myself going in the industry and, you know, what I wanted from my life and, and why the music industry was so important to me and and I would share things about my family and my struggles and and what I was scared of. And I, and I truly, I opened up probably more than I should have um, because I became too attached. It was like that became my second family. If any of you have ever watched The Office and you see, you know, Michael Scott is maybe a little too attached to his job. That's how I felt about this job, that I felt that, oh my goodness, this wasn't a job, this was my life. And 
How could I disappoint my boss who believed in me, who who hired a 21-year-old out of school to take on this position? I was, I think the next oldest person at that job was about six years older than me. You know, they used to call me sorority girl, which, I mean, I was never in a sorority, so I don't know where that came from, but... I definitely stuck out. I very often got mistaken for interns. I was even training and hiring interns who were older than me. So it was a very weird situation to be in at times. And it made me feel like, wow, he believed in me so much to give me this position. How can I walk away from this and disappoint him like that? I also felt like, what would I tell my friends? You know, I ran with, and I still run, with a very smart and overachieving group of friends since I, you know, we've all been friends since elementary school. And they were so proud of me for getting out early and for having a job. And they were all still finishing up school. And, you know, I felt like such a badass, you know, I wanted to impress them. I wanted them, I wanted to show them that, you know, yeah, I was a music major, but yeah, I'm doing stuff and I'm working in Manhattan. And how cool is that? And I didn't know what to tell them. You know, I had been working so many hours. I had missed birthday parties. I had missed out on vacations. They had all gone on together. You know, taking as many classes as I did at school, I would come home on breaks and just work and not see them. So I thought, what what was it all worth? If I quit after all those times I blew off my friends and told them this was so important and that I couldn't make their birthday or you know, their, their special event because I was working, you know, what would all of this do if I just walked away from it? And I also felt like a fraud. I thought, what am I, what am I doing? Who, how did I convince people that I could take on this job? And if I quit, I would just be admitting to that. I would be admitting to the fact that, yeah, I don't know how I got one over on you, but you probably never should have hired me because I suck and I don't know what I'm doing. And, you know, that's what I convinced myself of. And I was also terrified because, like I said before, I had no other job to replace it. And I hate lying to people. I pride myself on my honesty and my transparency. And how do I tell them, you know, that I have another job when I don't? And so that really was terrifying to me, especially being so young in the industry and this really being the first official job that I had had. But looking back, all of those fears, the feeling like a fraud, the feeling like I would disappoint my boss and all of those things, what I learned is that this all came down to my self-worth. You know, it didn't matter about what my boss thought or what my friends thought about my decisions. They weren't living my life. They didn't have to go home and, and be in my head, (laughs) you know, and have the thoughts that I was having. And And like I said, there was nothing wrong with the actual job. It's just not what I wanted to do. Plus, I was dealing with a lot of stuff, a lot of personal demons and and thoughts. I had just started therapy that year, thanks to my boss telling me that he was worried about me and that, you know, I needed an outlet. And so, you know, thanks to him, I did start therapy. But that opened up Pandora's box. And I was doing so much work in therapy that, you know, all of these emotions were coming up. So it was a lot. And I still hadn't even taken a break from graduating college. So all this stuff was happening. And I was convincing myself that shame on me. 
I couldn't handle it. I couldn't rise to the occasion. I wasn't hustling. I wasn't grinding. I wasn't doing everything that they teach you in the music industry you need to do if you really want it. I didn't believe in myself. I didn't trust that I knew what was best for myself. And I had a very hard time accepting that my dream was changing. And that's something that I worked through in therapy a lot, even after I left this job. My therapist kept asking me, why are you afraid of being wrong? You were just wrong. You thought this is what you wanted and it wasn't. And that's okay. You know, I always say to clients, you don't know what you don't know until you know it. So, you know, since I was in junior high, I had wanted to be the next Russell Simmons and I wanted to, you know, work my way up through the major labels and, and all of that stuff. But I never asked myself why. And when I look back, my why was simply because that's all I knew about the music industry. I just knew, oh, they were major labels. And if you're not a performer, you're at the labels and you're working your way up and you're paying your dues and you're doing jobs you don't want to do, but you'll eventually get to where you do want to be. And that's what I convinced myself of. But it's okay for dreams to change as you gather more information, as you gain more experience, and you learn, oh, okay, this is not what I thought it was going to be. I'm going to do something different. I'm going to pivot. I'm going to figure things out. I didn't have those tools at that time. So everything felt like it was just the biggest, most horrible thing to go through. Can any of you relate to that? I mean, can you think back to something that you just couldn't believe how you would get past it? And now you look back and you're like, yeah, I totally got past it. What was I thinking? Or maybe you're going through something right now where you're looking at something and thinking, I'm never going to survive this, or this is just the worst thing that could possibly ever happen to me. And, you know, there's no denying what you're going through might be really, really bad right now, but you'll keep living and keep putting one foot in front of the other and keep reflecting and questioning your decisions and seeing if there's a way to infiltrate more happiness into your day-to-day. Maybe you can start making plans to work a little bit less on the things you hate and work a little bit more on the things you love. Get control over your destiny. Start listening to those voices inside and stop listening to all those other opinions that everybody else is going to have because they're not living your life. And another lesson I want to impart with you today before we leave here is that it's also very important to have that work-life separation. And that is so hard to do in this music industry because it is a creative industry. And a lot of the times, especially when you're a musician or creating music, your life is in your work, right? A lot of the times it's hard to separate that, but it's so important to identify work as work and life as life. Even if life does influence your work, even if work does influence your life, you still have to keep them separate and make time for both of them. I think that if I had practiced a little bit more work-life separation, I wouldn't be so terrified of letting my boss down because it wouldn't have been about him and it wouldn't have been about everything I had worked towards. It would be more about what made me happy in my life. Do what makes you happy. Maybe it doesn't mean quit your job. Maybe it just means add more things into your daily routine that make you happy. Whatever it is, it's important at the very least that you identify what it is that makes you happy. Even if it takes you years to achieve it, 
Know what that is. Check in with yourself. Listen to yourself. Don't just put one foot in front of the other and ignore what your body is trying to tell you. Be present, be responsible for your future, and be happy. Which brings me to my actionable for you here today. Declutter your mind. Silence the fears. Put them on pause. Take a deep breath in and exhale out the doubts you have about your current situation. Make a list of things that truly make you happy and start to find a way to implement more of those things in your daily routine. It's hard to do that when you feel like your life is all over the place. So I invite you to download my Get Your Mind Right checklist to help you start the decluttering process. Now you can go to therockstaradvocate.com forward slash episode two. Now that's the number two. And download the checklist and start taking positive action steps towards leading a more fulfilling and centered life. I hope you've been able to take something away from my very painful experience and lessons learned. And I thank you for sticking with me and listening to my story today. I invite you to check out the other lessons learned in my series that's now available on any podcast platform of your choosing or by going to the rockstaradvocate.com forward slash podcast and find the episodes there. If there's any way that I can help you overcome some of your roadblocks or help you get some clarity on what you're going through, I'd be more than happy to. Feel free to email me at any time suz, S-U-Z, at therockstaradvocate.com. Until next time, Rockstar, have a wonderful week, and I hope to see you back here next Wednesday so we can get grounded to get rising. Take care.